Welcome to She's Running, the podcast all about women who are running for office, from school board to Senate and everything in between. I'm Emily Jackson. Today's guest is Julie Polakovich Carr, who is running for Maryland House of Delegates. Question. Why is it impossible to buy pants? I realized this weekend that I'm down three pair of pants, two to them wearing out, and one has straight up disappeared. So I went to buy pants at lunch today, and I bought six pair without trying them on. I hate trying on clothes on my lunch break. I'm afraid I'll get all sweaty and disheveled when I get back to the office. Anyway, I tried them on when I got home, and only one is marginally close to tag removal status. And it's a pair of jeans, so not exactly office wear. All right, it's not an intellectually stimulating opening to the show today, but come on. One out of six? That's ridiculous. They're all the same size. They're from the same store. What the heck? I'd like to see someone run on truth in pants sizing. That's a platform we can all get behind. A true bipartisan issue. Bipartipants issue? <laughs> Sorry about that. Are you or a friend running for office? Are you struggling with learning how to use Van to keep track of your conversations with voters? Do you need a map of your district with precinct information? Good news. Datadiva.net is the answer to all of your data needs. Datadiva.net is designed to help candidates, especially new ones, navigate the data needed to run a modern grassroots campaign. Talking to voters won't help if you can't get them to the polls on election day. Services include easy-to-follow webinars, tech support, van administration, map creation, and skills training. The Data Diva has been teaching for over 20 years, working on Democratic campaigns for 14 and in data for eight. She's managed van in five states and on two continents for Democratic campaigns, unions, and progressive organizations, teaching hundreds of people how to use van to keep track of voters and volunteers. And datadiva.net offers discounts for local campaigns and candidates from underrepresented groups. Visit datadiva.net for more information and like her on Facebook for free campaign tips. Datadiva.net, big help with big data. Okay, I just want to jump in here because we've got, I've got a, a laundry list of questions to ask you. So let's just get started with who are you and for what are you running? I'm Julie Polakovich Carr. I am running for the Maryland House of Delegates in District 17, which is in Montgomery County, Maryland, uh, just outside of the suburbs of Washington, D.C. Uh, it includes the cities of Rockville and Gaithersburg, which are tied at this point to be the third and fourth largest cities in the state. So where where exactly in the state is that? Uh, kind of central Maryland. Okay. But this is not the first campaign that you've run because you're currently serving on the city council. That's right. This is my third time running for office. I'm serving my second term on the city council in Rockville. So I've been on that body since 2013. What made you decide to run for this new office? Yeah, well, it's been a really um, interesting and exciting opportunity to get to represent the citizens of Rockville on the city council for the last four and a half years, roughly. Um, Certainly being involved with local government uh, gets you intimately aware of kind of how government functions on a a day-to-day basis and serves Mm -hmm. the needs of the people in the community. Um, And that's been really uh, important work, and I've certainly learned a lot from that. But when I kind of do my own soul searching and think about the policy issues that excite me the most and where I still see a lot of of need in our community, um, there are issues that are largely addressed at the state level. So things like paid parental leave, um, investments in public transportation, um, things like that. And so 
I'm really looking forward to hopefully serving in uh, the state house to get to represent the community in that new capacity. Why did you decide to run for state house right now? I think after having served now, you know, being in my second term on the city council in Rockville, I feel like I've um, been able to accomplish a lot of the things that I was was hoping to do that kind of the goals that I came in with. Um, And as I look what's happening um, at higher levels of government, both at the state level and at the federal level, I think like a lot of people are just kind of motivated to um, take on some new roles and to uh, try to push for change in a different way. So I'm, I'll admit I am wholeheartedly a progressive at heart. And while I've been able to push for some progressive reforms from the city council, again, a lot of that just uh, comes back to those are policy decisions that really are, are better made at the state level. Um, and so I feel like now's the time. What made you first run for city council? I saw um, basically needs for some different types of people to serve on our city council. When I ran for office, started my campaign, I was 29 years old. And that was significantly younger than anyone who was on the body at the time or anyone else who was thinking about running. And I firmly believe that people's life experiences uh, really does play into um, the issues they take up as a policymaker, um, what priorities they pursue. And I thought it was really important to have someone who was a young professional um, representing you know, families um, on, on the city council. When I got elected at the age of 30, I was actually the youngest woman ever elected to the body. Um, I remain to this day significantly younger than a lot of my colleagues, and I think we all bring different backgrounds and perspectives, but it's important to me to that someone on that body um, you know, has a young child, uh, commutes to work, and, and kind of has those kinds of life experiences. So what's your day job? Well, I recently changed careers. Um, Up until a few months ago, I had spent the last decade working in science policy at the federal level, first um, in a U.S. Senate office, uh, and then for many years with a national nonprofit organization, the American Institute of Biological Sciences. And basically, I was trying to make sure that um, science and scientists had a place at the table in terms of policymaking um, by Congress and by federal agencies. And I was also working with scientists to train them to be better communicators about their research. Um, I'm actually a scientist by training. I have a master's degree in biology. Um, so I've kind of been able to span both the policy and science worlds and, and help other scientists to, to be better communicators about their work so that they can do the same and actually have a positive impact on policymaking. And that was uh, really enjoyable work. Um, But a few years ago, I helped to co-found a political technology startup called Victory Guide that uh, is actually helping to replicate my own story as an elected official um, for other people across the country. Uh, We basically have built a, a digital campaign manager that helps people who are running for local or state offices to run really efficient and effective campaigns that builds in the best practices that, you know, kind of political insiders know about, but somebody who's running for office for the first time may not know. Um, and also because I'm a scientist and like to geek out on the data, we've actually incorporated the best practices that have come out of political science research that's been done over years and years in terms of what's the best way to actually uh, reach voters to persuade them and all those sorts of things. Did the idea for this come from your campaign? It did. The prototype of Victory Guide was actually built for my very first race back in 2013. My husband is a software developer, and uh, he built me basically an app so that I could use it when I was knocking doors. I had uh, done a training program before I ran for office, and they had really impressed 
upon me the importance of running a data-driven campaign. So, you know, for every interaction that you have with a voter, that you really uh, should take good notes on that and then assemble all that data together and analyze it and use it to make strategic decisions about your campaign. And um, when we looked around for what options were out there, I really just could not find something that really fit fit the needs in my campaign or um, met our very small budget. Uh, like a lot of first time candidates in that race, um, I had no paid campaign staff and I think my budget was about $10,000 in total for that race. So um, anyways, my husband built the, the prototype uh, of the app and we used that. I, I personally knocked on about 5,000 doors in that race. And um, when I ran for reelection in 2015, he made some improvements to it. Uh, we had some other candidates that I was running with on a slate um, using the app as well. And we really thought, you know what, this seems like it's going to be useful for other people too. And that was when kind of the genesis of uh, forming it into a business. Very cool. That is really super cool that y'all saw this need with your campaign and said, you know what, we're going to in addition to running for office, <laughs> I'm also going to like start this whole new venture. Exactly. Well, and especially with this year um, is definitely forming up to be a Democratic wave election. And it's so exciting to see tens of thousands of people who have signed up or expressed interest in running for office through groups like Run for Something and Emily's List and, and other groups. And, uh, you know, I really do believe that technology should be there to help any candidate who has the the drive and is willing to put in the hard work of of running for office and it should be there to help them and not to to hinder them so there's kind of been a a wave of scientists running for office this year and and last year with this you know let's get science back into policy kind of thing is that is that exciting for you does that make you feel like like the work you had been doing previously is pushed to the forefront yeah, it, and there actually is a national group called 314 Action mm -hmm. that is uh, recruiting and helping scientists to run for office, and I um, was delighted uh, recently to earn their endorsement. Um, it's definitely a, a good thing. I, having followed uh, especially um, scientists who served in Congress for many years and seeing what they were able to do, I do think it's really important to have uh, some elected officials who have that understanding and that background and kind of approach policy issues in a different way that, you know, they, um, I'll just say personally, as someone who has scientific training, when I take on policy issues, I often am looking to see, okay, well, what has there been research done in this area? Is that type of program actually effective? What's been the experience in other jurisdictions? Um, and I think it's just a different way of approaching policy issues than people who maybe who don't have a scientific background will come to those issues. Have you always been political? No. Um, always a little interested in politics. And maybe that's not that surprising, given that after I got out of graduate school, I went and worked on Capitol Hill for a year. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I didn't, I would say at that point, uh, envision that I was going to be running for office anytime soon. But it was kind of once I dipped my toes in, it really just captured my interest. And I started to realize, wow, this really is something that I'm enjoying a lot that I uh, would like to keep doing. And I saw some opportunities in my, my own community in Rockville to get involved. Um, like a lot of other towns, uh, Rockville has a very robust um, resident um, opportunities for resident input. We actually have about 20 different boards and commissions that our uh, residents or sometimes other stakeholders 
who serve the community who are appointed by the mayor and council to serve in an official capacity on those uh, policymaking bodies who basically provide recommendations to the mayor and council on a variety of different issues. And so I actually got my start on our city's environment commission um, because I was concerned about a stormwater management issue in my own neighborhood. I know that's really uh, just attention-grabbing topic there. But, <laughs> uh, it was a great experience to get to work with other residents in the community on, on issues that we cared about. And uh, from there, just kind of kept going and, and serving on some other task forces as well before deciding to run for office. I laughed about that being not the sexy issue that got you into politics, but that's not an uncommon thing. Like somebody sees, you know, nobody's fixing the potholes on the streets. Nobody's like concerned about the traffic lights or the traffic situation. You know, it's something that is intimately local that really pushes a candidate to get more involved, either, you know, local politics or state politics. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, especially when you're looking at at local or sometimes county governments, it's like, that's, that's the level of government that really is interacting with people and impacting their day-to-day lives. As you said, with with potholes getting fixed or uh, pedestrian safety at a particular intersection or, you know, how quickly the snow gets plowed in the wintertime, all of those things uh, people uh, really care about because they impact their, their daily lives. So what are some of the big issues that people in your district are most concerned about? Yeah, well, I've been uh, knocking on a lot of doors for my race for a state delegate, and by far the two biggest issues that have come up are uh, education and transportation. Um, Being a suburb of Washington, D.C., we suffer from a lot of traffic congestion, um, although we are blessed to have several types of public transportation at this point. We are part of the D.C. area's um, metro system, which is like our subway system, um, as well as another train service and um, pretty robust uh, local bus service. But in spite of those options, uh, there still is a lot of traffic. A lot of people still uh, don't have the opportunity to take public transportation to to go where they need to go, or maybe the hours of service don't meet their needs. And on the education front, um, Montgomery County, Maryland has consistently ranked among the best uh, public school systems in the country. We're also one of the largest public school systems in the country. Uh, So the the schools really are a tractor for a lot of people who choose to make this area their home. Um, So people want to make sure that the schools are staying at that good quality um, overall, but that we're also addressing issues um, like the achievement gap, like um, some underfunding issues in terms of being able to build and renovate school buildings. What has the process of running for office been like for you so far? Just say it's a lot easier the third time because you don't make the same <laughs> mistakes, or at least if you're doing it right, you don't make the same mistakes you did before. Uh, so this this go round, I was able just from the get go to say, you know what, I'm going to run this campaign how I want to run it. You know, I've run twice before, and there are just certain things I'm not going to do again. Like actually, for this campaign, I didn't hold a, a kickoff event. I just had a press release. I had a big email blast, social media blast recorded a video for the website and all of that to announce that I was running last summer. Uh, but I decided I just, I don't want to do the in-person event. I didn't feel like that was the best use of my time or my team's time in previous elections. And so we didn't do it. And that was very liberating. It's really great that you're able to use like that knowledge from previous campaigns. But how is this campaign different? I mean, it's bigger scale. So there must be like different things that you're having to do or you're finding that 
you haven't done before. Yes, there there definitely are differences. There also are a lot of similarities. I I guess I naively thought that okay, well I'm running for a much higher level of office. You're know, running for the state house. Uh, there'll be a lot more attention on this race, and that definitely has not been <laughs> been the case by by the media and even by by voters um, in Maryland at the end of June when we will have our primary. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are an awful lot of offices on the ballot from federal, gubernatorial, and on down, but. Uh, I think like in a lot of places, it's it's the persistent struggle to try to get people and to get voters to be aware that there's an election coming up and to get them to turn out to the polls. Um, so that part's kind of uh, surprised me. Um, on the other hand, uh, it definitely has been very different from running for city council, especially in terms of the involvement of external advocacy organizations and groups that do endorsements. So in my city council races, uh, really only the local newspaper did endorsements, um, but there were not any other, you know, like labor groups or environmental groups or any kind of other interest area groups, let's say, that got involved in those races. But that's definitely different with running for for state office. I think at this point, I've, I've kind of lost count, but I think I've filled out something like 35 different candidate questionnaires to date, and they keep coming in. So that's that's been a major time sink in terms of sorting through those, deciding which ones to do, and then actually, you know, preparing substantive answers and to response to those questions. So uh, that's been a big difference. And you said you've got a primary? I do. And we are in a very uh, blue area of Maryland. So pretty much uh, whoever wins the primaries is, is very well positioned for November. So what's your strategy as far as getting people out to actually vote at the primary, which very few people do? Right. I've done a lot of research in terms of digging into the the political science research on this. And in these kind of down ballot, low information races, uh, really the best strategy is more personal forms of outreach. So a candidate talking to a voter in person, either knocking on a door or maybe at a house party or something like that, really is uh, the best way to get your message out. It's kind of the most sticky or memorable um, interaction for a voter. Uh, one of the things that scientists talk about is, or political scientists talk about, is um, decay of persuasion efforts, mm-hmm. or and also for get out the vote. But the really the best staying power is in terms of these personal forms of outreach by the candidate or by a family member or by an enthusiastic volunteer. You don't see it so much if you have, say, paid canvassers or paid callers or something like that. Um, but it can last as long as uh, you know one to four months on average is what they they've found um, and we've definitely seen that as we've been knocking doors and going back and knocking the same doors again uh, that people remember that we came by before um, even if it was just leaving literature and they they maybe weren't home the previous time so we're just kind of you know been hitting the the pavement uh, almost every day uh, for months now and plan to just continue to through the end of June what are some of the best things that you helped get accomplished while you're on city council By far, my proudest accomplishment was last year, we uh, adopted a piece of legislation that I um, sponsored called the Fostering Community Trust Act. And that bill, um, some people might call it a sanctuary city bill, although there's kind of some important technical distinctions. But in general, that legislation makes sure that our local police stay focused on fighting crime rather than enforcing federal civil immigration laws. Um, And it was really important to me that we pass that because uh, Rockville is one of the most diverse cities in America. 
Um, we consistently rank really in, yes in, in among the top 20 most diverse cities and actually interestingly enough the other city in the district that I'm running for Gaithersburg uh, usually ranks uh, as the most or second most diverse city in America um, in Rockville about a third of our residents were born outside of the US so we have a lot of, of immigrants of various, statuses here, um, but also it's just diverse in other ways. And so it was important to me that the local government you know, reflect that diversity and show that we are welcoming to all of our residents and that, that we um, really appreciate that they're all here and what they contribute to our community. Um, so when that bill passed, it basically put into law that our local police won't ask about immigration status uh, during routine traffic stops or if someone calls to report a crime or anything like that. But if they are uh, arrested and charged with a crime um, and are booked in the jail, then the immigration status does come into play. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that that by far has been uh, the, I think the best thing we've done on the city council since I've been on. There have been some other areas that uh, we've made some good progress on uh, in the last couple of years. We have uh, passed uh, a law basically to ban smoking in first our city parks. And then last year we passed a bill I authored to uh, ban smoking in outdoor dining areas at restaurants, basically to protect public health. Those seem great. (laughs) (laughs) There's always so much more to do, though, as I look at the list of things that I still hope to accomplish before I, you know, know, assuming the primary goes well and the general election goes well, you know, things I hope to get done before the end of this year. And it's still a pretty long list. So how can people get involved with your campaign? So my website is just my full name, juliepolakovichkar.com. Um, that's probably the best way to, to connect. My email and, and phone number are on that website for people to reach out to me. And um, I would just say in general, whether you live in this area or not, it's just really important to get involved with with more local and down ballot races. Uh, I think a lot of the attention and the money goes to people and candidates who are running for for governor and for federal offices, but getting involved with a a state or county or local or even school board race is a really great opportunity to to get involved in your community and uh, to really make a difference there in terms of the types of people who get elected. Okay, and I've got one last question for you. What is one piece of advice that you have for a woman who might be thinking about running for office? I have to think about that one for a second. Well, I would say if someone hasn't made up their mind yet, that probably the best thing that they can do is to have a really frank conversation with their family, with their partner, with their employer about what kind of support they could expect from those from those people, from those parties. Um you know, if if they run, because running for office is a huge time sink. It does fundamentally change what your life is like while you're on the campaign trail. Um, you're just not going to have the time to maybe do all of the things that you've done before in terms of responsibilities in your in your household or child support or, you know, and anything like that. So having um, a really great support network is going to be pretty vital in terms of making sure that um your needs, not as a candidate, but kind of in your personal life, are, are taken care of um, and you're getting assistance there so that you can focus your, your time and attention on the campaign. Well, thanks for chatting with me today. Definitely. Thanks for having me on. And that's it for today. Thanks to Julie Polakovich Carr for chatting with me.
You can find out more about her and her campaign at juliepolakovichcar.com. Don't worry, I'll spell it. That's J-U-L-I-E-P-A-L-A-K-O-V-I-C-H-C-A-R-R. She's also on Facebook at Julie Polakovich Carr, and on Twitter, you can find her at at Polakovich Carr. You can find She's Running on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at at She's Running Pod. If you like what I'm doing here, please tell a friend about the show. Don't forget to check out today's sponsor, datadiva.net, and let her know that you're a friend of the pod. No episode next week. My mom and grandmother are coming into town, and I'm going to be shirking my responsibilities and celebrating Mother's Day with them. Which reminds me, I need to go make reservations. That's it for today. Thanks. Talk to you soon.